I'm Stephen Hunt. Welcome to the Active Performance Podcast, a podcast that gives top global managers and their teams the confidence and the power of clarity to grow their international business in innovative ways. This week, flexibility and resilience. Why are flexibility and resilience more important than ever for global managers? And what's the best way to develop your flexibility and resilience? A lot of experts say complexity at work is increasing, and I'd agree. Global supply chains and international businesses are certainly not the simple processes that they once were. Customers also want more convenience. That means the added complexity of serving them through multiple channels. So today, global executives need to be more flexible and be resilient to serve their customers better. Having said that, flexibility can't be endless. It should be an intelligent choice depending on the situation because more complexity means more choice and that means more risk. So when we talk about flexibility, we're actually saying the way we deal with risk and it has to match the situation. There's a wonderful old quote about risk. It's not a good idea to have hippies running a hydrocarbon plant. Hippies and hydrocarbons don't mix well. In other words, I don't want a free spirit running a nuclear power station. It's too much risk. But also, I don't want somebody who sticks to the rules. In 2005, an explosion at the Texas City oil refinery killed 15 people. It was caused, in part, because management were pushing safety workers to work long hours. One of the first things to go when you're tired is doubt, and when doubt goes, the quality of decisions tends to get worse. So when risks are rising, we want somebody who can react with emotional and intellectual intelligence to the demands of the situation. In short, we need both EQ and IQ. I'm lucky enough to have interviewed hundreds of global managers over the last decade and more. As a coach and consultant, I also have a background in finance and clinical psychology. And that combination allows me not only to understand the business context, I also understand the human dynamics within the group. What executives say when they're one-to-one in interviews is not necessarily what they say in public. Because one-to-one is a format where people open up more and share what is really on my mind. And this is what they say are their mistakes around flexibility and resilience. Here we go with the top three mistakes and they might not be what you think. Number one is being a conduit for stress. Everyone in a leadership position is in the sandwich. They have bosses above them and managers or employees below them. Most people in the sandwich also have had experience of a toxic boss, a person who makes unreasonable demands, gives little praise, lots of negative feedback, and it's tough to take it. The question is, where do you put the stress that you get from your boss? You can channel it in different directions. The biggest mistake is to channel it unfiltered down onto your team. It leads to a whole host of performance problems and it never ends positively. I think people know this. They know that they shouldn't put the stress onto their employees. They don't want to put the stress onto their employees, and yet they still do it. So how does it come about? It comes about over several weeks, months, or even years. It's a step-by-step process. It's built up in single decisions that people make in relation to how they want to partner with their boss. So one of the things we always look at is choice, because the key word is choice. It's your choice what to do with the stress. We all get people trying to put their problems, stresses and worries onto us. 
As executives, the question is, can we absorb these negatives or do we simply pass them on to others? In effect, you amplify the problem. I had a coaching case recently where somebody was getting demands on a Sunday morning from senior managers in Asia for work to be completed by Monday morning. In other words, a huge amount of work to sit down and do on a Sunday evening. How do you push back against that? It takes self-discipline and practice not to take that work on, or even worse, to take that work on and pass it on to the rest of your team on their day off. If I pass it on, I start to create a toxic culture. The easiest way not to pass the stress on is to identify and practice your escape valves. These are the ways to release the pressure, like having a hobby, an interest, or a specific post-work routine, which helps us to create the space that we need to see work objectively, not get tired, and make good decisions. The second biggest mistake is failing to use a flexible leadership style and changing it for the culture you're in. Culture cuts many ways. It can be a national culture, you can talk about professional culture, functional culture, geographical and so on. So we can talk about the difference between Germany and the USA, Germany and China. We can talk about engineers and salespeople and IT people. We can talk about different functions, whether it's supply chains, operations, distribution, and so on. The, the list is endless of how we can cut culture up. The point is, global leaders must be adept at moving between those cultures. It's tiring work with little or no thanks, so no surprise then that weak executives stop doing it. For global managers, that refusal to adapt to leadership style, to be flexible, is what most often leads to disengagement, demotivation and lower performance. A case we had recently was an IT company which had outsourced some of its work to India and the classic mistake was the European managers were trying to lead the Indian partners in a European way. What was driving the Indian business was a high turnover of talent and therefore the need to retain talent. The need to retain talent wasn't an issue in the EU. The driving issue in the EU was falling sales. If sales are falling, jobs are on the line, people are less likely to move. If you're in India and you're being offered other jobs at better rates and with better conditions, you're more likely to move. The way you manage your staff across those two situations has to be flexible and has to be different. The key point here is that global managers must make awareness, listening, curiosity and flexibility part of their leadership DNA. These skills go with the international job. They're not optional extras when operating successfully in an international environment. The third biggest mistake, and again it might be a surprise, is executives who are uncomfortable with their life balance. There's a whole load of nonsense written about successful executives who only work half a day or four days a week. The strange thing is, I've never met or spoken to anyone who is A, a respected successful executive, and who B, has not spent a significant part of their life working long hours. The biggest investment to get to the top is time, your personal time. It is today and it always was the case. We may have phases in life where we invest less time in work, but getting to the top requires time. Time put into work is time taken away from our own interests beyond work, from our family, from our friends and our community. It doesn't mean we have no time for these groups, we just have less. The paradox is, weak executives are not comfortable with this fact. They are emotionally imbalanced. They're striving for an ideal life. And it's a sad situation to be in because they're really struggling 
with wanting life to appear perfect privately and to the outside world, and it's a battle they'll never win. I remember years ago listening to one executive talking to his European managers, the people under him, and trying to tell them you can get to the top and be great with the family, whilst at the same time explaining that he only spent a day and a half with his family every week. That was a Saturday and Sunday morning. The point is not that we shouldn't do these things. Once again, the point is making a clear decision around what you need and what people around you need, the people closest to you, for emotional balance. Therefore, I always say to people, learn to live life to your metrics. There isn't a single ideal lifestyle. The metrics we use are often inherited from our parents or our peer groups. It's often fixed in our younger years. It's very important for international managers to learn to let go of the social ideas. That is, learn to let go of what others at the golf club or the country club think of you. And that's the hallmark of a truly satisfied and well-balanced leader. Doing that requires self-knowledge and self-awareness and the determination and resilience to push for what you want from life. I find that happy global managers ask themselves two questions. What do I want from life? And what does life want from me? That second question is normally what do the people who are most important to me need and want me to be? The common thread through all three of these mistakes is not only flexibility and the resilience to live the life you want to lead, it is this. Resilient global managers have emotional maturity and a strong sense of emotional balance. And that, if anything, is what global managers need to cultivate, develop, and live. I'm Stephen Hunt. If you'd like to find out more about me or the services that I offer, please go to www.stephenhunt.eu or find me on LinkedIn. You'll find more resources there on the themes we covered in this podcast. Join me next time for more information on how top global managers use confidence and the power of clarity to grow their business.